Do you know what nemesis means? Hello and welcome to Direct, the podcast where we take a direct trajectory through a director's filmography. I'm Eric. And I'm Levi. And we are here today with the very first episode of Direct. Levi, welcome to the show. Eric, thanks for having me here. I'm excited to be podcasting again. I haven't been pod- I haven't podcasted in a while, so getting yeah. back on the old horse, back in the saddle again. Um, and we got a brand new show. Uh, we're on the Bald Move Network, uh, so please be sure to check out baldmove.com if you haven't already uh, for a lot of great entertainment podcasts. But in that vein, uh, we are here with a new show called Direct. And Levi, why don't you talk a little bit about what this show is all about? Well, I think Direct is an opportunity for us to kind of explore our love of movies. I think you and I both watch probably way too many movies uh, in our <laughs> yeah. in our daily lives. And um, this is a podcast where we can narrow down, focus on a, on a director, and really get into the nitty-gritty. Neither of us are professional filmmakers by any stretch, but... We are lovers of the the medium, and I think this is a cool chance for us to just hang out and talk about movies, which we love. Absolutely, yeah. And so basically the format of this show, we're going to be picking a director, and we're going to be watching every film in that director's canon that they have directed. Um, We're going to be watching every film that they've directed in their canon. Uh, Once a week, we will watch a new movie by the director, and we're going to go in chronological order. So... Our first director that we're going to be doing is Quentin Tarantino, uh, which I think is a pretty appropriate choice for a podcast like this. And I think that, you know, we pick Quentin Tarantino for a few factors. Uh, one is that he's a highly stylized director. So we want directors who have a strong voice and a strong vision in each of their movies, because I think one thing we want to do with this podcast is to uh, really be able to see how the films build on each other and how it becomes a statement as a director as a whole, as opposed to just saying, this movie's good, this movie's bad. We're really trying to look at kind of a career in retrospect. So Quentin Tarantino has that, you know, stylistic vision. The other thing is he hasn't directed like 25 movies, so it's easy to kind of go through his whole canon in a nice little uh, bite-sized package. Uh, and then the third one, obviously, uh, Quentin Tarantino, very iconic director and uh, somebody that a lot of people have opinions about. And as part of that, uh, we'd love to have your feedback listener uh, on Quentin Tarantino and on, and on the movies uh, as we go through them. So uh, there's a couple ways you can uh, do our feedback. You can go to the Bald Move forums. Just go to baldmove.com, click on forums, and then click on the direct forum. And then the other way that you could do that is you can contact us directly at directpodcast at gmail.com. That's directpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts, and we'd love to put them on the show. These are beloved movies, and a lot of people have a lot to say about them. So uh, we'd love to get your opinion there. Um, so yeah, we're going to be doing Quentin Tarantino, starting off uh, with Reservoir Dogs, uh, and we're going to be releasing that podcast on November 1st, and that puts us directly in line to podcast about The Hateful Eight during its opening weekend. That'll be our Christmas present to one another, Levi. That's Christmas this year is going to be really good for movies. Between that and Star Wars, I'm I'm itching for December to get here. I know. I think that uh, we might sneak a, a tad bit of Star Wars talk into this podcast, but it's not what it's for, guys. I think we're going to end up sneaking a lot of things into this podcast. That's generally how we operate. 
Yeah, it is generally how we operate. So speaking of how we operate, Levi, if if we have new listeners to the show, uh, what what are our credentials here as as podcasters and as uh, as movie geeks? Why don't we start with you? Um, I have no credentials, basically. <laughs> Uh, I am a uh, architectural designer by trade. Uh, in terms of film, I'm just a, a movie goer. Uh, historically, my parents raised me on movies, going to one a week. It felt like uh, good, bad, didn't matter. Parents generally gave it a seven out of ten every movie, every time. <laughs> and I still keep up with them, uh, you know, texting back and forth. I'm waiting to hear, get a text about Witch Hunter this weekend and while it's sitting at 15 percent on rotten tomatoes i'm expecting a seven or an eight from my dad but at some point in high school i I got outside of that kind of basic entertaining for watching movies and i started getting into the the cinema of it the 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 art and the the set design especially something that always appeals to me as a as an architect and so i'm really interested in rewatching a lot of these Quentin Tarantino movies because he is so dynamic with his set pieces. The, the movies that have influenced him, uh, especially in Japanese cinema are always very dynamic in terms spatially. So I'm excited. My, my one main credential is I have watched the American film Institute's top 100 movies of the 20th century. So I have watched a lot of movies, especially the the kind of peaks in terms of popular culture as it's rated so i've got a a wide breadth to pull from uh, and i think that's going to be especially helpful with quentin because he's just that the eras that he pulls from for for his movies for exploitation film i have watched a lot of that stuff when the grindhouse came out I pulled a couple lists on like top grindhouse movies. I have seen Cannibal Holocaust. I'm very interested <laughs> to bring that conversation in with something like that like Grindhouse. I've seen a lot of Kurosawa films. I watched Yojimbo for the first time last weekend and I think those those will definitely come into conversation when we get to Kill Bill and Reservoir Dogs and the music of the films as well is something I find super exciting and so I'm glad we have a director with a strong sense of soundtrack to to begin. So that's yeah, my absolutely. credentials, just designer by trade and movies as a as a hobby and you know, hobbies are generally more fun than your day job. <laughs> generally, unless you're real lucky. Um yeah, you know, uh what were some of the films that stood out to you on the on the AFI 100 list? Uh, like, Citizen what, what Kane is right on the top, and that was not as interesting. Um, that was one of the things that I noticed watching through those is there are some that, you know, I think were very era-specific. Easy Rider was another one that just didn't jive with me. And I know that this is the sort of thing that I hope kind of brings out the listeners in discussing those things. Because film are going to be, you know, it's a very relative matter of taste, and I think people mm-hmm. will disagree with those opinions so uh things that did really stand out good bad and the ugly was one i did not see until i watched the afi top 100 and that along with quentin tarantino is probably one of my top five movies ever and so that's one i hope that we i'm hoping to watch you know in the coming months as we go through these films so that we can kind of bring that into the conversation as well because i know that's one of his favorites 
Yeah, yeah. I I uh, I haven't watched through all of them, but good the bad good the bad and the ugly is definitely one that's on the top of the list for me. Yeah, in terms of uh, kind of my movie history, so I was a huge uh, movie buff uh, going. Yeah, basically from the time when I was about 13 years old Uh, and I got really, really in the movies. And in fact, I wanted to be a director. And so I I went and studied film for a couple of years at San Diego State University. And then I uh, also majored in partying and decided maybe maybe I should go in a little more, um, I don't know, uh, sensible path. So I transferred to a different school. I'm now a communications professional. So I communicate for a living, but uh, but I still have always loved film, and it's always been a major, major part of my life. And one of the things um, that I did at an early age is I always tried to seek out like directors and watch every single one of their movies. It's kind of a hobby that I've had for a very long time, and I yeah, I kind of have a philosophy when I watch movies, um, and you know this might be one of the reasons why I'm doing a podcast about this is because I don't really see this a lot in current internet media is this idea that the movie is not for me. Like I don't, I don't really like to go into a movie thinking, well, director, and I cross my arms and I say, director, what have you done for me now? <laughs> As the lights come on in the cinema. I don't really have that mindset. What the way that I approach a movie is I say, how did the director, how did the director create this for themselves? And I think that's really what separates kind of the term movie from the term film in my opinion, is like a movie is, you know, you're going to watch like Fast and the Furious 6 and it's going to be a great movie and you're going to go in and you're going to have a visceral experience and you're going to have a good time. But the thing that separates Fast and the Furious 6 from a movie like Mad Max Fury Road is that Mad Max Fury Road seems like a movie that, uh, gosh, why am I uh, why am I blanking on the director's name now? George Miller? George Miller. I always want to say Frank Miller and I know it's wrong. <laughs> That's my problem. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, like, how did George Miller create this movie for himself? Like, what is what were the things he's trying to do for himself in this movie? And then I feel like the directors who understand that level can create something that's really iconic, stylized, and and carries with it the the type of weight that I'm looking for in a film. So that's kind of the way that I separate the two is, and and that's why I'm 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 really excited about a director like Quentin Tarantino. Is it's really about like what kind of statement is Quentin Tarantino making in this movie and how does that fit into the statements that he's been making across his canon? That's kind of how I'm approaching this thing. Um, and then on top of that, I've been podcasting for five years. So podcaster, uh, movie lover, and uh, communications professional. If you can't get enough of us, you can go back and listen to The Gotham Blotter for... Yes, it's true. <laughs> before we couldn't take it anymore and we had to stop recording... <laughs> Yeah, that's a couple of things. So Levi and I did do a podcast called The Gotham Blotter last year where we covered Gotham on Fox. And unfortunately, it's like, we were like, man, why do we have to watch a TV show that, I mean, and not to knock you if you like Gotham, it's it's a it's a fine television show, but there's not a lot of, there's not a lot to sink your teeth into uh, on that show. And it's like, why couldn't we just pick a, pick a director like Quentin Tartino and just podcast about him and then the light bulb goes on and then we create this podcast. So... That's kind of where we're coming from. But enough about us, Levi. Although I will say I think it's really hilarious that your parents went and saw The Witch Hunter this weekend. Well, I mean, what their other options are, they 
when you see a movie once or twice a weekend, you really burn through them quickly. And so what's mm-hmm. left is not necessarily high cinema. Yeah, but the thing about this, Levi, is that your parents, like, it's like, well, we have to go to the movies this weekend, so let's just watch. And that's what I kind of love about them, is like, they will go and see whatever is whatever is playing, basically, because it's the ritual of going to the cinema. That's not something that a lot of people have, especially in today's VOD age. So I think it's something that's really, really interesting, and I don't think that it's, I don't think that it's non-unique when, uh, when you're raised in that type of environment. That's why I'm excited about your opinion on these directors. Yeah. And my dream is a five minute podcast wherein I call my dad and get a movie rate, a movie (laughs) review out of him. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a future segment on direct. Oh, be so good. Yeah. All right. right. Well, on to QT. uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, enough about us. Let's get on to Quentin Tarantino. So uh, we kind of talked about why we picked Quentin Tarantino, but uh, Levi, what are some things that uh, you'll be looking for as we as we embark upon Quentin Tarantino's canon? Is obviously a director that I think we've both seen all of his movies probably multiple times. So as we kind of embark on this journey of rediscovery, what are we going to be looking out for? Um, the number one thing I'm actually watching for this next time around is the combination of soundtrack and scene. I think that the, the coordination between the two is something that's can be neglected in, in more kind of straightforward blockbuster films. And he's already, you know, very good at mixing kind of the era of a film with the the music that he portrays but i'm really watching actually for a relationship between the beats between the 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 actual beat of the music and the timing of the song and and how the scene plays out because i was you know as i'm doing my background research that's one of the things that he references from his childhood is listening to music and imagining scenes to that music and i think when you approach a scene from that kind of the reverse I think that you get a much more rhythmic scene. And so that's one thing that I'm really interested in seeing about. And it's not something I've actively paid attention before and in his films. I've noticed it in others. Um, nothing jumps to mind. I just, you know, when you're like, oh, this scene is really synced up. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, the iconic scene in Reservoir Dogs when, uh, when Vega cuts off the cop's ear. Yes. Um, like... I, I still listen to that song stuck in the middle with you. And I, every time I listen to that song, I, re, I think about that scene, you know, they're, they're tied together and I'm, I'm totally with you there. You know, uh, I, I was watching an, an interview with Quentin Tarantino where he was talking about kind of music in film and his kind of philosophy around it. And the thing that I like about QT is that he doesn't, uh, he doesn't like use film for pacing purposes. And that's one of the things he calls out in this interview is that like, it's not about like picking up the pace for the movie. It's like using the, the music as a set piece to create a cinematic moment, um, which I think is, is really, really kind of cool. So it, it's almost like the, the music becomes a piece of the set as opposed to, uh, as opposed to you know something that's kind of playing along in the background, it's it's something that's that's intertwined with the scene, the characters, the dialogue, the sets. His his music all becomes a part of that, as opposed to something that's kind of outside the film, which I think is really cool. And that scene, you know, like I said, when we think about these iconic Quentin Tarantino music scenes, you have uh, the ear cutting scene, and that's actually being listened to on the radio 
in the background as as that's happening. It's music that's in the scene. It's practical music. Uh, and then, of course, another scene uh, from Pulp Fiction, the the, uh, the twist scene at Jack Rabbit Slim's, like same type of deal. That that's music that's playing along in the background. And now every time I hear that song, say uh, la vie, say the old folks. You know, I, I, every time I hear that song, all I think all I can think about is that scene of Uma Thurman and John Travolta dancing together. So. Uh, yeah, I, that, that's I'm really excited about that as well. Um, and yeah, in in this interview that I that I saw with Quentin Tarantino, I really like that he kind of called out this idea of having almost a hip hop aesthetic. <laughs> and when you think of Quentin Tarantino, you don't necessarily think of like a hip hop aesthetic. But what he meant by that is like you know, hip hop came along and and utilized sampling. And did some derivative work, but then created something new uh, around it. And that's kind of the philosophy that Quentin Tarantino has. It's like sampling movies from the 70s, sampling music from over here, uh, and then kind of creating something new out of it that is definitely referential of other things, but at the same time creates his own uh, style that is that is undoubtedly Quentin Tarantino. So that's... That's the thing that I'm kind of going to be looking for as well. Is like, what what's the chocolate and peanut butter in this scene, uh, and how do how do they come together to create something new? Yeah, the idea of sampling is, I think, a really good reference point because it is so much of what he does. The like Jackie Brown is a big one mm-hmm. that I you know it's been so long since I've seen it, so I'm I'm pretty excited for that one because I know that it's one of the more uh, discussed Tarantino movies in terms of like whether it was good or bad, um, <laughs> you know, and the especially on in terms of racial epithets. I know that he and Spike Lee kind of have mm-hmm. some beef over the use of the N word so much, and it's not just the two of them. You know, like Samuel Jackson has commented on it, like, and while I don't right. want to take a deep dive into like that particular fight, I think that he's referencing a movie like i remember one of the films that i picked up when i watched when i was watching through kind of things that influenced the grindhouse and i was taking some outside stuff was sweet sweetback's badass song which was like is probably the only black exploitation film i've ever seen mm-hmm. but having seen that as a as a reference point for something he's sampled is really in, impressive in terms of how what you can relate to what you relate his work to it allows yeah. him to reference you know he's trying to make a statement he's very he talks about his films telling the truth and when he's mm-hmm. able to actively reference something it gives some um, it gives additional credence to his his efforts i think yeah I completely agree. It's so interesting too when you talk about sampling, specifically with a movie like Jackie Brown. And I'm sure we'll get more into this when we do our Jackie Brown podcast. Jackie Brown is based on a, a story called Rum Punch, which was written by Elmore Leonard. Elmore Leonard, probably most uh, most well known for uh, Get Shorty, that's kind of his most well known work that got made into a, a movie. Um, also wrote uh, Three Ten to Yuma, though, which is kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, in in the in the movie, it's uh, the the lead character is actually a white woman. Her name's like Jackie Breyer, I think, or something like that. I mean, in the book, and and 
in the movie, Quentin Tarantino turns her into Jackie Brown and then creates and then brings in Pam Greer, who played Foxy Brown, to play her in kind of the context that Foxy Brown is now. What's Foxy Brown like 20 years later in 1995 or whenever that movie came out? So it's it's interesting because it is it's that amalgamation of how how are these uh, things brought together to create some kind of stylistic soup that Quentin Tarantino is, is cooking up. So I'm very excited about that. Another thing that uh, Quentin Tarantino had talked about in, in interviews is that he has some kind of old school directorial traits. And one of those is that he talks about like, you know, he didn't write these movies so that he could sit in another room and watch them on a screen as they're being acted out. So he doesn't really have like that monitor farm that a lot of people, a lot of directors have. And I know you see like kind of uh, uh, modern behind the scenes sets. There's these directors kind of sitting in this tent full of monitors as they're directing the films. Um, Quentin Tarantino says he sits right next to the camera. Sometimes he's on the camera. Sometimes he sits right next to the camera and watches the actors. And sometimes if he thinks of a line, he'll throw out a line. Sometimes as he thinks of maybe an inner voice that the character should have or a conscious that a person should have, like he directly calls out like, what does that mean? What the fuck does that mean? Like he'll say that to somebody as they're thinking so that they can internalize that. And maybe that expression goes on their face during a scene. So that's one thing I'm going to be looking out for too is like, can I see Quentin Tarantino sitting next to the camera, like shouting, you know, inner dialogue or maybe a lines next to the, next to the camera. And how does that affect the way that the actors act? Because it's, it's a little bit of a conundrum to me, the way that he is able to pull out these performances and actors that you really don't see very often. I mean, he kind of single-handedly resurrected John Travolta's career and, uh, and so I'm interested to see like how does he actually direct the actors as opposed to just you know writing the dialogue and and you know putting the movie together. Well, and that's the other fun one about watching Tarantino in Succession is the crossover that occurs with like actors. You know, he's a big fan of Uma mm-hmm. Thurman. She shows up in a couple. Um, Samuel Jackson's the obvious one because I think he's in six of how many are we? Is it eight? Nine. I believe it's eight. Yeah. Um, you know, and to see those actors over the course of that time period and, you know, Tim Roth shows up in a bunch of them. I don't think, mm-hmm. um, are you including four rooms? The short, I'm, I'm not including four rooms and there's a reason for that. We can get into that right now. It's very simple. It's kind of the rules for direct. <laughs> uh, the rules for direct is that we are going to watch every full length feature film that a director has made. What that means is that we're not going to be watching My Best Friend's Birthday, which is Quentin Tarantino's uh, first film. And it's actually available on YouTube. I will watch it and I might reference it, but we're not going to do a podcast about it. Do they actually have the be... full length of that one? Because I thought that one was like salvaged or something, but not it's, full. There's 36 minutes of it on YouTube. Go so, uh, yeah, I'm going to just at least watch it. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, we're not going to be watching True Romance because Quentin Tarantino wrote that film. But he didn't direct it, and we are going to be focused on directorial efforts. And we're not going to be watching uh, Four Rooms because it isn't full-length feature. It's a segment. So it's really a short film. Yeah. But we are going to be watching Death Proof because that is basically a full-length feature film as part of a double feature. So that's kind of the thinking behind that. And I do recommend Four Rooms, especially his segment in that whole Mm -hmm. amalgamation of short films. is spectacular and another just Quentin Tarantino masturbating about another film through the dialogue (laughs) of his characters. Yes. 
and a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other things with Quentin Tarantino. Uh, he does. He also says that he frames every shot. So this is something I think that you might be really interested in from a you know scene, uh, scene composition standpoint. Is that Quentin Tarantino says basically what he does? He frames the shot. He balances the shot. And then he hands it, and then hands it over to the cinematographer to, to light the shot and make it look good, and you know do the camera movements and all that. And then he'll sit next to the camera and then direct because he also writes all the dialogue. I think that's something that's, you know, um, something that's that's over that I think can be overlooked is that he also writes every word in his movies, which is not something that every director does. So I think it's interesting to to see that take. Um, but that's something to keep in mind, like shot composition, like. Uh, what what are some Tarantino esque elements that if you wanted to recreate a Tarantino esque feel, what are some set composition elements that we can use? I think that's something we can look at. Um, and then yeah, just you know, basically his encyclopedic knowledge of film, uh, which I'm which I'm excited to uh, have revealed to me through more research and and more viewings of his of his movies. So. Um, and I also, I thought, I also think we shouldn't shy away from controversy. I think we should talk about the violence in the films. I think we should probably talk about the, uh, some of the more controversial elements of the films and how we 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 feel that that reflects Quentin Tarantino as a director, and not necessarily uh, what it means for society or whatever. I think it's more about what does that mean for the director, or and how and how does that reflect how he wants to show us his his version of the world through his stories. So. Anything else on QT, Levi? Uh, no, I just wanted to throw out some films that I'm hoping to get to while we're also watching this. Uh, you know, there, if you, depending on where you look, you'll get a much different ensemble of kind of his favorite films. And a lot of quotes are like, oh, this was the best film of 2005, 2006. But the ones that are kind of reoccurring on his like top movies, um, Taxi Driver is one I haven't seen since I first watched it for the AFI when I watched that. And that was probably 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Rio Bravo, an old John Wayne flick that I have not seen. Uh, I don't think that was on the AFI challenge. There were, I think they had Stagecoach instead, but he considers Rio Bravo to be one of the best West. Uh, no, maybe that was a different Western. Anyways, that's a Western <laughs> that's on there. Um, Ride the Whirlwind, that was another one that he considered, I think, to be one of the best Westerns, and I have not seen that one. Uh, His Girl Friday, which is a Cary Grant movie that I haven't seen, which is surprising because I watch a lot of Cary Grant movies. Uh, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, I just want to rewatch. Any excuse will do. Blowout, Mm -hmm. which is a John Travolta movie that I hadn't even heard of. Yeah, Yeah, I think that'd be a good one to watch uh, before... Pulp Fiction, because I think that was one of the movies that he used to convince the producers that John Travolta should be in Pulp Fiction. Have you the other list one on this list that I probably won't rewatch, but I was curious if you have you seen Battle Royale? Oh yeah, that's another one. The Japanese film, yeah, the yeah the Japanese version of Hunger Games that's much more violent and a lot weirder. (laughs) Yeah, we I remember we had a Battle Royale uh, party in high school. Where like somebody had gotten the DVD and we all got together and watched it because it was like, oh my god, you got to see this movie. So yeah, absolutely. I think uh, yeah, when Kill Bill uh, comes around, that's definitely a referential movie that we can watch for that. So so that's my list. Those are movies that I'm going to be kind of hoping to watch in tandem. And you know, as the if the listeners are looking for more than the one movie a week, 
you know, if you're the kind of person that puts a movie on in the background, um, those might be good choices. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, I think that's it on QT. You know, uh, I think everybody kind of has an understanding of where he came from. He grew up in South LA, uh, you know, dropped out of school, worked at a porn theater, worked at a video store, uh, started writing movies and, um, and yeah, kind of just kind of got into the business, sold his scripts to, uh, for true romance to Tony Scott, uh, and then use that to help finance his first film, Reservoir Dogs. So that is what we will be starting with, Reservoir Dogs, the classic Quentin Tarantino uh, film. I just want to run through the rest of the canon that we will be covering uh, in this podcast. Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill Volume 1, Kill Bill Volume 2, Death Proof, Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, and then finishing it off with The Hateful Eight. Uh, during its opening weekend. We're very excited, and we hope you're excited too. We want to hear your feedback about Reservoir Dogs. So once again, check out the Bald Move forums. Uh, just go to baldmove.com, click on forums at the top of the page, or email us directpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us your thoughts on Reservoir Dogs, and we'll cover it on the next episode of Direct. Until next time, I'm Eric. I'm Levi. Cut.